The Giants lost 27-21 to the Cardinals Sunday. Big Blue is now 2-5. Should Pat Shermer be on the hot seat? The post-Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz joins us to break down the loss and take us inside the locker room, and then Giants legend and radio voice Carl Banks joins the pod next on the debut episode of Blue Rush. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. We will be bringing you Giants podcasts every Monday after games and Thursdays previewing Sunday's game for your listening pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. We'll be joined every week by our team of Giants New York Post beat writers. Our own Paul Schwartz will join us in just a few minutes to break down the Giants' loss over the Cardinals. We'll also be joined every week by current and former Giants players, along with celebrity fans. So let's get it all rolling. We're opening with a 2-5 and five record. Let's address that right out of the gate. It's not the most opportunistic thing. It's kind of like taking a woman to see Titanic, and on the way out of the theater, you're like, hey, babe, you want to go on a cruise? But, but what we're doing today uh, is, is, is I am uh, introducing myself to you as the Daniel Jones of podcasting. None of you have heard of me, but the team saw some things in me. They chose me with their first-round pick. And like Danny Dimes, I hope to earn your trust and support, and damn it, I am determined to do so, which is where we find the Giants as we launch this podcast today, this historic day. Do the Giants have a Super Bowl record? No, not yet. But they have the most important thing any sports fan can ask for, and that is a team worth rooting for. I know we all want to be the Patriots, some of you for the rings, others just for the massages after the games, but there's another metric to measure fan success right now as I speak to you on this opening day. We're not the Dolphins, okay? We're the Giants. We have hope. We have players you love. We have a model franchise that's excellently run. We're a long way from Miami, where if they made a sequel to Ace Ventura, Snowflake the Dolphin would probably kill itself. We have a great team of guys with great potential. We've gotten rid of all the headaches like Odell Beckham, and we've got Giants guys now. Classy guys who play hard. There's no hey, look at me antics on the squad. There are just guys that do their job, which is where we start today with our very first guest, the beloved, the iconic, the legendary New York Post Giants beat writer, Paul Schwartz, who joins us now. What is up, Paul Schwartz? Jimmy, good to be here on our first podcast. What is up? Um, a lot of things are up. Not the Giants, unfortunately, though. The Giants, are, sadly, the Giants are down. But we'll try to um, bring them up as uh, gently as we can, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, a lot of things are up. Not Daniel Jones. Eight sacks yesterday, Paul Schwartz. Uh I've got to tell you, my takeaway from the game was, you know, the, the inability to protect Daniel Jones. But the only thing anybody's talking about this morning is Pat Shermer and the curious play call on third and long yesterday. What exactly did he say in an attempt to justify that call? Because I know the rest of the media didn't seem to be buying it. That's a uh, new Dr. Seuss book, right? The curious play call of Pat Shermer. Um, yeah, curious. You know, it, it's it's you can go back and dissect these coaches' decisions ad nauseum, but this one I think is valid to really, really critique and look at and study. Look, mm -hmm. the Giants are only down three points, right? Mm -hmm. There's four minutes to go. Mm -hmm. There, they have time. They have time to kick a tying field goal. They have time to get a game-winning touchdown. No problem. Okay, first play, pass to Benny Fowler, 13 yards, great. Second play, sack of Daniel Jones, lose eight, very bad. Then is an incomplete pass. You got third and 18. 
Okay, I'm thinking there, sitting there, is this two down territory? No, only if the third and 18 becomes a fourth and two or three. Yes. Unless you, unless you, then you have time to punt it away and play defense and get the ball back. Okay, mm-hmm. so what happens is that's kind of the conventional thinking. He calls a draw play. It's not a terrible play. Sometimes these draws, when the defense is back, when the safeties are back, it's fine. You pop it for 9, 10, 11 yards, maybe even more. You got Saquon Barkley. Fine. It goes for three yards. No good. At that point, you got to punt it away on fourth and 15 and play defense. Pat Shermer said, quite frankly, after the game, no, I decided to go on two, two downs, and that's what I was doing. It was a bad mistake. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Paul Schwartz. Um, you know, for me, again, I like you. Don't want to kill a guy for play calling because we're watching this from the luxury of a press box or a beer-soaked recliner in my case. But the reality is, as much as we are harping on that third and long draw decision, it really is, to your point, the fourth down decision. That's the problem. Okay, you call a draw. You want to get within 10 yards. You know, and if so, we go for it. But at fourth and 15, to me, that was the more egregious of the two because that put your defense, which had been on the field the entirety of the first half, that put them back in a no-win situation with no time left in the game. So I'm with you about being more concerned with the fourth down hit, but is this a teachable moment? Is this something Pat Shermer is going to build on, or did we just witness a defiant standoff where he and the media are never going to get you know get along again? Because I know he's catching a lot of heat this morning in our own fine newspaper over his decision-making. Well, what he said was I had made the decision at that point that I was going to go for it. Now, to me, that is pig-headed. That is that yes. is defiant. That is just that is stubborn. That is stubborn, and it makes no sense. And you know, the the thing that Pat said, which really irked a lot of people, and including me, is that it played out the way I wanted it to exactly. And what he means by that, even though it sounds insane, because they lost the game, what he meant was that we got the ball back. We held them to a field goal, which they did. Mm-hmm. And they got the ball back with two minutes to go mm-hmm. with a chance to go ahead and win the game with a touchdown. So that's fine. But yeah. it also makes no sense because they gave him the ball back on the 17 yard line. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that the Cardinals were going to play it very conservative and hand the ball off with their rookie quarterback. He also didn't know that the rookie quarterback, Kyler Murray would insanely run the ball out of bounds on third down, saving about 40 (laughs) seconds for the Giants. So if Pat Shermer knew that all that was going to happen, Uh then God bless him. It played out the way it should have. He did not know that. And it was, look, it wasn't the reason Mm -hmm. they lost the game, but Pat Shermer is a head coach in that situation. His job is to put his team in the best chance to win. Mm -hmm. And if they don't execute, then they don't win. He did not do that. That's why he gets an F. Yeah, I'm with you. I believe a a wise man once said, you play to win the game, I believe was uh, a comment from right across the field right there in the Meadowlands. Is Pat Shermer on the hot seat? Well, at this day right now, no. I mean, the Giants are not going to fire him after seven games. They're not going to think about firing him after seven games. But this is more evidence that we put in the book to think, is Pat Shermer the right guy to lead this team moving forward? You know, at this point, I there's no way I can say absolutely he is. Yeah. They won five games last year. It's a rebuilding team. We get it. Uh, you know, John Mara, the co-owner, did say at the end of the season, he, he said, I'm not saying we need to make the playoffs. We need to have this kind of a record. Uh-huh. I need to look at this team and this franchise and say, 
the arrow was pointing up. Yeah. We're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. you cannot say that right now. The season's not over. You cannot say that. But when you put a rookie quarterback in, this is everyone wanted Daniel Jones. Everyone was crying for the guy that to come in the game and replace Eli Manning. This is what you get. Be careful what you wish for. You get a guy who needs to learn how to play in the NFL, and that means you'll lose a lot of games. Thank you. And that's the point I was going to make, is we can't turn on this team right now because we were so excited down in Tampa when Danny Dimes led us back for that miraculous comeback, and we were the talk of the town, and we won two games in a row. But where do you see Daniel Jones in terms of his evolution as a team leader, as a pocket passer, now that we've had a larger sample size? Well, the interesting thing, Jimmy, is that his first game was his best game yes. by a lot, by a lot. And some of that might have been novelty. It's it's the opponent. It's playing in Tampa. They hadn't seen him. They didn't realize he could run the ball so well. So on that game winning touchdown, it opened up like the Red Sea and he just ran through it. Mm-hmm. But what's disturbing is not totally unexpected, but disturbing is every game since then has been worse. Yeah. Down, 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 down. Yes, the, the, the things have been the, – the, the operation has been worse. Uh, look, the big problem with most rookies is they turn the ball over. Yes. He's turned the ball over at an alarming rate. He has to protect the ball in the pocket. This is an old adage, two hands on the ball when there's pressure. <laughs> he does not do that nearly enough. So he, he's losing the ball on fumbles when he gets sacked way too often. Now, the blind side hit from behind that he can't see coming. Yeah. That's that's one thing. Uh, It's the ones uh, he saw one the other day that was right in his wheelhouse and he could have he could have prevented it and he did not. That was a big problem. Now, let me ask you Uh, this question. I was. Yeah. And and also the interceptions, the interceptions, uh, Mm -hmm. some are bad throws, some are bad decisions. That's what you have to deal with with a rookie. But we all kind of thought that Daniel was a little ahead of the curve on some of this mental stuff. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he's in with all the other rookies. Yeah, he sure is. And that, you know, less than an ideal day to be quarterbacking in the Meadowlands yesterday, to be sure. Someone invited me to the game. I was like, what did I do to deserve this invite? That was a rough day. Freezing, raining, it wasn't pretty. But my question to you is obviously you had been you've been telling me this from day one that this was going to be a rebuilding year and and you 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 followed the owner's mantra on this but I felt and I want your opinion on this I felt like they shelved Eli too quick for that very reason and I still felt like that after he won down in Tampa Bay knowing it was going to be his last season and knowing we had these growing pains coming one way or the other do you feel in any way and I know we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube now they made the move but in any way do you feel like Eli was wronged in all of this or no um, I do to a certain extent. Uh, I, I think if you were going to give him two games of base, look, Jimmy, in life, we all know either you're waiting for it to fail or you're waiting for it to su- succeed in anything, in any relationship, right? You're waiting for it. Okay, when this goes sour, I'm out of here. Yes. And so if they had that attitude that when this goes sour, the first sign of trouble with Eli, he's out of here, yeah. then they should have gotten rid of him before the season because I thought that they felt Eli still has something left. We've improved yes. the offensive line. We've got Saquon. We've got a younger defense. All right, let's go. We can make this work. We can make this work with Eli. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. If it's not working, if it's clear, if we're not in the playoff race, then we move to our rookie quarterback. Yes. They did it after two games, which tells me that they were just waiting to jump ship, and that was that was just pretty bogus. It was. The, fi- the fix was in. And, and tell me what quarterback in the NFL wins a game yesterday if he gets sacked eight times. 
I mean, the guy was getting killed. It would. I mean, it, it does help that he's a little bit more, a little more mobile. But there's nobody winning under those circumstances. And if you go back to the Vikings game, even when they were just getting overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage, that's not a quarterback issue. And if he had a little more support around him, and, and we had some receivers in the lineup, uh, you don't know where this team might be. I'm not telling you they'd be in first place, although the division is certainly flying south for the winner right now. Uh, the Cowboys bounced back a little bit yesterday. But the point is, this is not a, a you know, <laughs> this is not, their problems are not emblematic of the quarterback, uh, but they're starting to be emblematic of the quarterback. And I think Pat Shermer, to your point, had the fix in from day one, and they really did job Eli, for basically for PR sake. They were like, hey, we gave him a shot, it didn't work. But did it really not work? He played well, and the defense got trampled for two weeks, and here we are. So I don't know if I agree with you uh, that Pat Shermer um, isn't on the hot seat. Uh, and it's not that this is the type of team that makes a coaching change midseason. That's not who the Giants are, and we know that continuity works around the league. But I do think they've got to be taking a second look at Pat Shermer and at least knowing he's on a now uh, nine-game audition, if you will, for his job. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what your definition of the hot seat is. If the hot seat is, is he going to be fired Monday or Tuesday? The answer is no. If if the If the definition of a hot seat is, you know, is he the coach moving forward and is he guaranteed to come back next year? The answer is no. The answer is he, he definitely is not guaranteed anything. Uh, they need to show signs of progress. Two and five is not really progress at this point. There is a uh, kind of a, um, uh, you know, a little bit of, well, it's a rookie quarterback, so we're going to grade him on a curve a little bit. But also we have to remember Pat Shermer is a quarterback guy. Mm -hmm. He is in the league because he develops quarterbacks and he calls good plays. Mm -hmm. And so Daniel Jones from point A to point Z when the season's over needs to be showing development and they need to have an offense that looks cohesive yes. because that's what he is. And if they don't have either of those two things, those are major strikes against him. Yeah, that's a big problem. Well, talking about comebacks, we did get one big comeback yesterday. That was number 26, Saquon Barkley. It is, I got to tell you, as a Giants fan, it is some feeling watching him run onto the field because like to borrow from baseball, he's a guy where you're going to watch every at bat. You're going to be in the room if he's up to bat. And that's certainly the takeaway with Saquon. And it was inspiring for him to be out there yesterday. And for the most part, I thought he looked great. You know, uh, it seemed to have stubbed his toe. Is he okay? Uh, is that is that ankle okay? It looked like a little bit of a toe injury. How is he this morning? Well, uh, he's going to be very sore. Uh, he got he got the ankle hit again, and he had to go leave a, for a few plays and get it taped. Look, that's life in the NFL. High ankle sprains are serious deals. They're yeah. they're really torn ligaments in the lower leg. So mm -hmm. he came back in a month. Uh, most people thought, including me, it would be six weeks or eight weeks. So mm -hmm. he has tremendous recuperative powers. Uh -huh. uh, that was great. But I don't think he looked like himself at all. He had eight or nine runs of one or two or zero yards. I mean, yeah. that's not Saquon Barkley. So, you know, he had some nice runs, mm -hmm. but he was not vintage Saquon Barkley. He was light years better than anything they have without him. You know, 18 carries, 72 yards, averages four yards a carry. Mm -hmm. uh, there were times where, quite frankly, I thought he could have had four or five yards and he had one or two yards. And that's yeah. a guy who's not 100% coming back after missing time. Uh -huh. uh, you know, he was more of a reason that they were in a game than a reason that they lost the game, yeah. obviously. Yeah, but um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of problems here with the team. And uh, look, <laughs> Kyler Murray in the game uh -huh. through four passes and completed two of them in the second <laughs> half he, for 17 yards. I mean, they literally did not have to do anything with their rookie quarterback except tell him it's raining, 
don't mess up. And <laughs> and shame on the Giants for letting the Cardinals come into their building and let their rookie quarterback do nothing in the second half yes. and still win the game for the Cardinals. Yes, Awful. that is why you have Paul Schwartz on the maiden voyage of the New York Giants, New York Post football p- forecast, because you hit it right then and there. We got to protect the house. You can't come into the Meadowlands with a rookie quarterback and run us over. So, Paul Schwartz, I shout you out on a commendable job. Uh, it was really an honor doing business with you here today on this first football Monday. All right, Jimmy. Rock and roll. There we go. That was Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz. And now we transition to Giants legend, a two-time Super Bowl champion, number 58 on his jersey, number one in your hearts. Carl Banks joins us on this maiden voyage of the Blue Rush podcast. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. I'm so happy to be a part of this uh, great Blue Rush. I've got to ask you this, okay? You're a guy that's played on Super Bowl caliber teams. Uh, you're a guy that was a former number one draft pick. So you have a lot of, you know, uh, synthesis with this current installment of the Giants. Did you see any bright spots in that game yesterday? You know, it's really hard with, uh, to, to, to focus on it now. If I look at it through the lens of a guy who played the game and kind of understand where the opportunities were, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some bright spots. Um, you know, the defense, continue to do some positive things. You know, Kyler Murray had 100 yards passing and 28 yards rushing in what was supposed to be a very explosive offense. So, you know, you look at that and you say, well, that was good. You can hang out on it. But then you say, no, you can't because you gave up three big runs. Yeah. That was the biggest difference in the game. Mm-hmm. A 22-yarder, a 20-yarder, a 28-yarder. Mm-hmm. And they were all just based on user error, if you will. So, yeah, there are some things that are positive, but you know what? Until you correct them, mm-hmm. you're just hanging your hat on a nail. <laughs> you know, you don't have anything solid that you're doing. So, yeah, I mean, how many times and how many weeks can you say, yeah, they're almost there. They're almost ready to become a good team mm-hmm. if they don't play like one. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating to watch because I felt like we started off this season – with the offense exceeding expectations and the defense costing them games. And now we've kind of metamorphosized into the offense is going backwards and the defense can't get off the field on third down, which I think was the ultimate backbreaker yesterday, especially in the first half, was that inability to get off the field. If you're a Carl Banks, you know, you're a guy with a Hall of Fame presence in a huddle, what gets done in the situation we're in at 2-5 and five to dial everybody in the, the rest of the way? Is there a measure that can be taken? Is there something a guy like you can throw his weight around and say? Well, yeah, but they're not guys like me. Um, <laughs> I in, love in it. That. No, and, and I, I say that I say that with much respect to the guys that are there. Uh-huh. But you know, and it's a different era. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. But there are things that can be done. Um, but they're done during the week. They're done like uh, during the course of a game where you're reminding your teammates in whatever terms they choose these days that, you know, you have to get off the field and you've got to have a call to action yeah. and everyone has to be bought in. And it's it's a little different era right now. I will probably get in trouble for some of the things I would say mm-hmm. in a huddle to my teammates. And <laughs> if they didn't respond, then I'd probably get in even more trouble because I, it'd probably become a shoving match right <laughs> there on the field. So, um, <clears throat> but... You know, I, I like the group of guys they have. Uh-huh. I think they just got to put it together. They've got to turn the corner 
and stop being almost yes. or stop talking about, you know, we, we have enough to get it done. Mm-hmm. You have to get it done, point blank. Bottom, um, and bottom. you can look at, yeah, when you can look at a stat sheet and say, well, man, we held this offense to 135 yards, 145 yards, mm-hmm. explosive, well, that's all they needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? They got a home <laughs> to less than they need. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a very good point. And to what you said earlier about controversial things, you can say them, Carl. Just don't tweet them and you'll be fine. As long as you keep it off Twitter, you'll, this is true. you'll hold, you'll this hold is on to true. your gig. Well, I got to pivot for a second because you're a, you know, you're a number one draft pick in 1984. Did, um, did you see mm-hmm. anything in this year's number one draft pick uh, that made you feel any better yesterday? Or do you feel like he's regressing a little bit? Oh, he certainly regressed. Um, but it's the decision-making, I think, will come. Mm-hmm. The ball security issue is where now you have to sound the alarm and you've got to demand that he takes care of the football because, mm. you know, um, a lot of the things he's seeing as a quarterback, mm-hmm. he's seeing for the first time. Yes. You know, this is his sixth game. So every coverage, every player, he doesn't know a lot about anybody other than what he sees on film. Mm-hmm. But that football, he's had in his hand his whole life. Yeah. He should, he should and know he's got to be able to protect that. Yeah, I agree. He's got to know how to protect that. I agree with you. We're talking with Carl Banks. Follow him on Twitter, CarlBanksG3123, for more expert analysis like this. Um, do you feel, um, seeing where we are right now at 2-5 and five, and the myriad of problems this team has, I, I posed this question to Paul Schwartz earlier, do you think they've jobbed Eli or they wronged Eli in any way by kicking him to the curb after just two games? Well, it was a decision that was going to be made. Um, I think Eli knew it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the point that they benched Eli, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily Eli's fault. Yes. It was, and, and a lot of folks said it, and I said it too, if Eli gets benched, it's going to be because the defense isn't playing well. Yes. And it just gave them an opportunity to put the next guy in. Because they weren't winning with Eli because the defense wasn't playing well. Now the defense is playing, you know, well, I can't say they're playing well now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing better. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a chance to see the kid, but it's just nothing you can do about that in those situations. They, when that decision's made, they go for it. And they were looking for the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. If they were undefeated, Eli's still on the field. Yeah, it's absolutely. just that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I've been sitting here today trying to offer some chicken soup for the giant fan's soul. And the reality is, uh, you know, our guy is in a better position than a guy a lot of people wanted to take, which was Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. I mean, as rough as it's been to be a a giant fan this year, you could be uh, rooting for your old team, the Redskins. And uh, I don't think you'd want to trade places with them at this point, right? No, you don't. You don't want to trade places with them. And here's the thing about it. They all have to go through it. Mm -hmm. You cannot microwave a uh, rookie as into a Hall of Famer. They've got to see it. They've got to go through it. They've got to process it, and then they've got to grow from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Daniel Jones is going through. Haskins has to go through it. Murray's going through it to a large extent. Mm-hmm. So all of these kids, and even even as exciting as Lamar Jackson is, mm-hmm. he's going through some growing pains too because he's not hitting a lot of passes. When he needs to, he pulls it down and he runs it. He now, he's a very skilled runner, uh, but will he grow beyond what he is now? We'll find out. I suspect he will, 
as he grows and learns the game of football um, for the first time, too. Yep, I'm with I'm I'm with you there, and I think that's the big challenge facing him because fans get seduced by a quarterback's ability to make plays outside the pocket. But as the playoffs have shown us time and time again with the Patriots, you know it's a pocket passing league. You know, come January, uh, and, and I don't sure. know that anybody's developed that. Um, my next question for you, uh, Saquon Barkley, another former uh, first round draft pick who we're all crazy about. Um, did he look like himself to you yesterday, or did you think he was a little hobbled? I've playing? heard of him. I'm sorry, did did, did uh, Saquon look like himself yesterday? I think for about a quarter and a half, two quarters, mm-hmm. he did. And then he he came up limping and took himself out of the game. And then he went back in trying to tough it out. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is, and this is tactical um, from where I see it, they had Wayne Gallman available. So you could have, in my opinion, maximized Barkley's impact with less carry if you would have, you know, kind of integrated Dwayne Gallman into the game more. Yeah, it would have made sense, and you give him a little bit of a change up there. Um, I mean, the one bright spot yesterday was if you bet the over 35 flags being thrown, you definitely made some money yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, you sure did. (laughs) Can Can I ask you this? Do you feel it's almost as if we're harming the game? Because you played in an era where the percentage of flags thrown was about, my goodness, I believe it was 41% less than it is right now. And it's really slowed the pace of play, and it's really made the refs a bigger factor than the players to some extent. Do you feel like the proliferation of flags is hurting the game in any way? Well, yeah, it is. It is hurting the game. And I can tell you, um, you know, I I played in an era where they they let you play. Mm -hmm. This one is a little bit over-officiated because of the technology, but yet now you're there at a crossroads where the technology is available and they, they've made a ruling on some things. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, they don't even want to acknowledge the technology to correct the officials. Yeah. But the, the thing that it's impacting is that the game is growing at a pace. Mm-hmm. And this is deliberate by the league. They're inviting more fans because they're giving more, giving them more avenues mm-hmm. and more angles, meaning, you know, things that they can do to get interested in the game. Yes. And the, the peripheral fan now is becoming more interested because he can play fantasy football. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Because he can bet on the game. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have those fans and you're growing your game at this pace and you're generating more interest, then you have to maintain the integrity. Yes of what you're doing. And if you don't, you're inviting people to say, hey, these games aren't on the up and up. And they're going to be a thousand conspiracy theories <laughs> because you're not being consistent with even the rules that you put in place. You don't even want to allow those to work. Yeah, ne- next thing you know, people uh, are getting very suspicious of that Pat Shermer decision to hand off a draw to Saquon on 3rd and 18 yesterday. That would have a whole new meaning under that cloud of suspicion. Uh, well, the intent was good. The decision was not. Yeah, that's a, that's what I thought so, too. And at my bigger my bigger gripe with that, Carl, was not the draw play. Because, okay, you're trying to pick up 8 to 10 yards and make it a manageable fourth down. My gripe was the decision to still go for it on fourth down now that they were backed up because they still could have punted it away and played a field position game. Um, what was the bigger, you know, for your money, what was the bigger frustration, third down or fourth down for you? Or both. I mean, I, you know, you're called back, so I'm it just Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. The, um, the game is about adjusting, mm-hmm. uh, in-game adjustments. 
So the decision to try to get half yards on the third down, mm-hmm. I had no problem with. Yep. But when it didn't work, mm-hmm. um, then I, I thought tactically you should have punted the ball and um, put your defense back on the field because not making it and you're only down at that point, I think six points or three points, you just didn't do yourself any favors. I'm with you there. So my question to you now is knowing that to be the case and knowing how much heat the head coach is, is facing this morning, is he going to survive the season or is he on the hot seat right now? Um, I think he survives the season. Okay. I think he survives the season. Um, <laughs> the Giants very rarely do um, in-season changes. Uh-huh. Well, my- but in, in, you know, full disclosure, mm-hmm. You know, I'm rooting for Pat. Pat is an old teammate of mine in college, Mm -hmm. and I'm rooting for him. But, you know, it's a a win and loss business, and I can root as much as I want if he's not winning. (laughs) I don't think this going to impact anybody's decision on his job status. Agreed. Um, So my question is, how do the rest of us survive the season? We got nine more games of this, Carl Banks. Is there a tip you can give me? What do I do? Yeah, manage expectations. I would say rewind to... March of 2019, mm-hmm. when no one even thought anything of the team. Yep. Everyone I- thought the team was horrible and we're going to be bad for a long time. So rewind back to that and then be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised okay. uh, if things turn for the better. Yep. You know what? That was that might have been the bowl of chicken soup we were looking for, and that's why you have Carl Banks on. Excellent work. Now you're a giant, a member of the Giants Ring of Honor and a fashionista, Carl Banks. What well, I don't know about the Nista thing, but I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great stuff. Listen, man, we really appreciate you joining us on episode one. We needed to bring the heat today, and, and dang it, you brought it. So we'll take it, Carl Banks. We owe you I big for this. It. Thank you. Rock and roll, man. Thank you for having me. Shout out to Carl Banks. Not only is he a, a beast linebacker, not only is he a fashion pioneer, but he was pound for pound my favorite linebacker to play Tecmo Bowl with. So that was a nice full circle moment for me. That is it for this episode of Blue Rush. To hear the latest Blue Rush episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Don't stream. Don't peruse. Subscribe. We need you in the huddle. Uh, Spotify as well or any of your preferred podcast platforms. With the New York Post, that means we're everywhere. Uh, you can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports letter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back on Thursday with the latest from the Giants as we preview their matchup in Detroit against the Lions. We're putting on the eye black right now. We'll see you Thursday. Rock and roll.